Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Samuel, look at the light. Joe, leave. Do the best thing, leave. Down while you can, Joe. Down while you can, Joe. Down while you can, Joe.
Hello there and welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. Hope you're well. I say brand new Arsecast, but of course it's not. You know it's not. What it is, however, is a brand new season. Yes, we've been talking all summer long, of course, on the Arsecast Extra. Myself and James, apart from one week where we missed when I had a little bit of a holiday. Apart from that, we've been doing it all summer long. But look, the Friday Arsecast, it's the original it's part of the routine. People like it on a Friday morning, and we're back, and we're here throughout the uh, the entire season, uh, apart from when there's an interlull, and that's got nothing to do with me. But look, we won't worry about interlulls just at this moment in time. I hope you're well. I hope whatever you've been doing this summer, you've had a good time. I know many people just kind of switch off when the season ends. They say, that's it. I'm having nothing to do with any football whatsoever. I'm not going to look at blogs. I'm not going to look at newspapers. I'm not going to listen to podcasts. Of course, there are more of you out there these days who are like, no, fuck, season, off season, summer. No, give me stuff. We need stuff. Arsenal stuff, Arsenal news, transfer rumours, transfer gossip, transfer speculation, transfer this, transfer that. Give me more podcasts, give me vidcasts, give me TV, give me YouTube, give me whatever you can get me in terms of Arsenal something. I did. They just need the Arsenal. They need it. But look, uh, I know some of you don't. And some of you have been away and now you're back. So welcome on back in. It's been it's been a it's been an all right summer, but too short. That's my problem with this summer. It's just been way too short. And from a, a point of view, personal point of view, I should point out, it's been shit from a weather point of view. I'm talking here in Ireland. You know, I like a nice evening where you can sit out the back and drink a bottle of white wine and then go. Oh, it's warm, isn't it? I think I'll drink another bottle of white wine. And that hasn't happened this summer really at all. You know, I know it's a very first world problem to to bemoan the amount of times you've been able to use the barbecue, but I think once over the course of a summer is just not good enough. And I call on this government to to rectify that by creating a giant dome of good weather or something. Come on, this is 2015. Should be able to do all kinds of shit now. But anyway, look, and it's been a very short summer because the season ended the end of May. You might remember. Remember that when we won the cup? That was good. Remember Tim Sherwood's face? Oh, look at him. He was so sad. It was hilarious. But that was the end of May. And uh, here we are at the the start of August, more or less. What date is it today? Oh, it's the 6th of August. When you listen to this, it will be the 7th of August. Or it could be the 8th or the 9th. You could save it over the over the weekend. It doesn't really matter. But look, here we are. It's like a two months and just a week or two, two and a bit months or whatever way you want to put that. It's just a bit too short, isn't it? Really, we should have more time off from football. But of course, there's European Championships next summer. And that's why we've got to get all the football in, squeeze it all in before we have the European Championships, which I believe I could be wrong here now, but it's been uh, totally uh, redefined by UEFA. It is a 48-team tournament held in 19 cities across Europe. Penalty shootouts and extra time are mandatory in every single game, even if somebody wins, just because that gives them more time to sell ads. That is what we're dealing with from a European Championship international football point of view. And hey, international football, hasn't that been fun this summer? FIFA, set bladder corruption who could have guessed it was like a bolt from the blue like if you discovered your neighbor who likes to dress up as a clown and who's got a basement in his house and drives his clown mobile to schools when schools finish every day and you find out that he's some kind of sick evil twisted murdering pervert it's like who could have seen that coming not me 
But look, we won't dwell on the bad things of football. We'll look at the, the good things of football. And that, of course, is Arsenal. And what a good pre-season we've had. We beat Singapore, and we beat Everton, and we beat Wolfsburg, and we beat Leon, And, of course, we beat Chelsea. The Community Shield. That was good. I enjoyed that just simply from the, the beating them point of view, but it, it was a good way to prepare ourselves for the for the new season. We might look at that a little bit later on, or not. Who knows? This is a very fly-by-night arsecast. I should tell you, we've got two guests on the show for you today, so it could be a bit of a bumper edition, and we'll see uh, we'll see where it takes us. But look, it's been, it's been all good. Transfer-wise, it's been, it's been a bit quiet, hasn't it? Of course, we brought in Petr Cech, and that means that Wojciech Szczesny, he's gone to, um, he's gone to Roma, Made some saves for Roma already. Bit of a surprise there, I have to say. But he was in the papers talking about how he's going to come back a better goalkeeper and a stronger goalkeeper. And actually, I was talking to somebody who who would be talking to somebody who might know. And they suggested to me that the idea was for Chesney to, to go out on loan and actually to come back. So he could use this loan to put last season behind him, the bad season, to to sort of regain his goalkeeping mojo. And if he does that, then they view him still as somebody who could have a future at Arsenal and somebody who could perhaps push Petr Cech uh, while he's the, the incumbent, the number one. And of course, if he doesn't have a good season at Roma, then it's like, well, <clears throat> see you later. That's what's probably going to happen. But the door is not fully closed on Wojciech Szczesny. That's my startling bit of info for the opening part of this uh, this very first Ars cast of the new season. But apart from Czech and, and Szczesny going out, not much happening apart from lots of loan deals. Of course, Chuba Ekpom's gone on loan. Daniel Crowley's gone on loan. Isaac Hayden's gone on loan. Somebody else has probably gone on loan as well, and there could be another couple of loan deals along the way. Carl Jenko Jenkinson, of course, he's gone back to West Ham for another season. Another player who, on the face of it, you'd say, well, it's probably curtains for him. But again, the door is not fully closed, depending on how he does and depending on what Debussy does and Bellerin do and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we've brought in a whole raft of young players, lots of signings at youth level, including, of course, the Jeff. Yeah. Jeff the Jeff Jefferson. He is the man. He stood out during the uh, the Emirates Cup, and uh, whether or not he gets some first-team action remains to be seen, but Arsene Wenger wants him to, to stay and train, and he's quite exciting, and we all like a, a, a young talent in which we can invest ourselves, like seriously, seriously invest ourselves, and, and we can dream of a great future for him in which one day he is standing there uh, at the FIFA or the UEFA headquarters, wherever it is, wearing a garish purple suit, perhaps with some speckles, perhaps with some some diamante, perhaps, perhaps, with some gold leaf just drifted over the top of it, and he's picking up the Ballon d'Or. He is uh, the the player of the year, the Jeff, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the play. It's the Jeff, and that's our guy. He's gonna be our guy for the future. But, you know, we, we've been there before with a number of young players, and it doesn't quite work out. So I don't necessarily want to uh, hype up his chances too much. But look, I'm just I'm going full in on this guy. Just telling you for this season, this is going to be, he's going to be my guy at youth level. So look, what else should we do other than talk about Arsenal stuff with some other people? Because that's kind of what this podcast is about. So with me first to discuss the injury to Jack Wilshire, what that might mean for him, what it might mean for Arsenal in the transfer market, and what are Arsenal's plans for the transfer market in general? A man who should know. From the Telegraph, it's Jeremy Wilson. Hi there. Hi. Let's start with Jack Wilshire after a... 
a really good preseason or getting most of a good preseason under his belt and with the injury problems he's had before, the news that he's suffered a hairline fracture of his fibula is, is something of a blow uh, both for Arsenal and for Jack Wilshire too. Yeah, it's really, uh, you know, you can't help but feel really sorry for him because he he looked, you know, at, at times with, with, with Jack Wilshire with the sort of some of the, you know, the odd pictures we've had off, off field and that, you sort of mm. sometimes think he's his own worst enemy. But he looked like this summer he'd really got his head down. He came back early from training. He finished the season um, well in the in the games that he played, more more England games really, because he obviously struggled to get back into the team. But the sad thing was he, he, he had looked really good in pre-season. Uh, in the games in Singapore in particular, I thought he looked really good. And it's, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's worrying really because it's the same area of his body that he's, he's had most of his problems and you just sort of worry whether there's there's some sort of weakness in, in those in, in, in that in those parts, whether it is just bad luck. But um, yeah, sort of on two levels really. One, one that getting that rhythm it seems to take him a bit of time. You need to, he seems to be the sort of person who needs to be match fit, needs to be playing, needs to be training a bit like Rooney, I suppose. And also just on, on, on this wider, longer term um, question about what, why this keeps happening. And it, they seem to be similar types of injuries that he gets now. It, it, you know, we were led to, we understand it was a collision in training and mm. obviously the one, the Manchester United one with McNair last year was a tackle. So it could just be bad luck or without being a, without being a medical expert, it's very hard to, yeah. to say definitively, but you, 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 you sort of worry whether he's more susceptible to, to these kind of injuries than, than, than most players. Sure. I mean, the only way that he can he can show that he's not is by staying fit for a prolonged period. So, I mean, it could be just really bad luck that the McNair challenge and the one that happened in training have have been such that they've caused injuries like this. But as well as the physical side of things, there must be something on the mental side that Jack Wilshire is going to have to deal with because this is another period where he's going to spend on the sidelines. Everyone else is out playing. We know his enthusiasm for the game and how much he wants to play. Uh, and once more, he's going to find himself going through a period of rehab. That's also going to be really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, I think with 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 Jack as well. He, he's a sort of um, heart on his sleeve sort of person. You can't help but kind of warm to him in the in the sort of you know, admittedly fairly brief interactions we get. But we, mm. we do get a, you do get a feel for the players, and he's very very honest. He's one of the players who's most likely to stop stop and talk to the media. Very sort of. What you sort of feel like with him, it's what you see is what you get, and um, I think he will find it difficult. But I think that he's—I think he's a sort of personality. He just has a lot of enthusiasm for 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 life, sort of thing. You, you get that impression. He, he's sort of person that throws himself into everything. So I don't, I don't think there'll be an issue in terms of him training and everything. I think he'll 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 be doing the hours he'll he'll come in i suppose the the slight worry with you someone with his sort of amount of energy he obviously has his sort of off field side a little bit and again i can't i i'm not an expert and i and i don't know what he he, he does all the time but you just sort of see enough i think there's enough hints that that, that are just just to put an, a question mark you know is, is all i would say on that i think that i think that the players nowadays are cameras. You know, they can't do anything without. It. Everyone's got a, a camera on their phone and whatever. Yeah. So, so 
things can get completely blown out of context. I understand that, and it, and and I might be it might be wrong to even place that question mark. But I just sort of think with him, I think after I just think we've seen enough little glimpses where you, where, where there's enough where you sort of wonder a bit, and, and you sort of hope that he, he that having a spell on the sidelines doesn't sort of. Um, cause any temptations really that on that side that could that could just slightly yeah. slow his recovery that's all i'd say on that and and, and i'm not saying i know yeah, yeah, yeah. know anything <laughs> at all really but i just i suppose he seems to be that sort of character that loves life and loves you know that throws himself into everything and you just sort of think you know you, you hope that he's he's it must be very difficult really when when you're like that to, to spend sort of two months where where you know you can't play sure. basically so um, I hope he, I hope he's able to to do that. But he's obviously the training side of it is no problem for him. Mm. I mean, I think I don't think that that's a, that's well, an issue. I'm sure he'll come back very fit. Yeah, well, well, maybe he'll uh, just throw himself 100 percent into into training and and nothing else. <laughs> um, the the Wilshire thing aside, though, the Arsenal squad going into the start of a new season is probably as strong as it has been. Um, for a very long time, I mean, even without Wilshire, uh, he's not—he's not a first-team starter. I think that was the challenge that he faced this season: was trying to get back into the first team on a regular basis and trying to find where exactly he fits into that team. So at the moment, there's there's pretty good cover there uh, in pretty much every position. Yeah, I don't. I think I suppose that's the one. Slight. It'd be interesting to see whether this causes. Um, Arsene Wenger to think about whether he goes into whether he gets a central midfielder because we know early in the year he was he was looking at it and um, I expected him to bid for Schneiderlin. So I know I know that Southampton certainly expected him to bid for Schneiderlin. Was that before or the, after from, the Coquelin uh, emergence? Yeah, around January. So really before really because mm. it was sort of Coquelin had just got into the team, but 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 wasn't really at the time where you, where you. Where he'd established himself completely, as he, as he did by the end of the season. So, and I think that, that Wenger was really looking at the summer before deciding about that area. And I think the way that that, that Jack played in pre-season, where he was obviously very good, and, and Aaron Ramsey was looked like he was back to to where he was a, a couple of years ago. And um, the fact that Coquelin and Cazola seemed to sort of carry on where they left off. I think that, and, and obviously Arteta was back at cover as well. I think that sort of convinced him, okay, we've we've got a lot here because you know obviously Oxlade Chamberlain could play in that position, and and Flamini, although Flamini, I think you know they would let him go if they could, but he, he's he's still he's still there as well. So I, I just wonder whether with Wilshire, because the worry clearly. Is that this this injury? Okay, it might be six to eight weeks, but but how quickly will he get back? And and will it? And will something related happen again? Really, mm. you can't. You know, it's sad to say, but you can't at the moment at this stage of this after what's happened. You can't really be sure how much Jack's going to play this season. So, I just you know I wonder whether that will cause a rethink because if if something happens to to Coquelin, then you do sort of wonder that because because of Jack. Had, had, had sort of played that role for England. You wonder whether he he would, could come in and play that sort of more defensive role. Sure. Um, obviously, Arteta's the, the 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 natural cover, but, but I think that's a question mark. But overall, as you, as you said, Jack, as things stood, was probably not in the not in the starting team anyway, or or was trying to re-establish himself in the starting team. So, and it's not really been since 
four or five years, I think, since around 2000, that 2010-11 season where you really thought if Wilshire wasn't in the starting team, the, the team was a lot weaker. Um, I think the last sort of three or four years, he's tended to be in and out a bit. But I think it is still quite a big blow because I just sort of thought the way Wilshire was playing in, in, the, in the summer, you, you, you sort of thought he could actually bring something extra. He, he, he would make a difference. And yeah. uh, maybe I didn't sort of think that so much last season and the season before I thought he was still not quite fully himself but I thought he I thought he, he was sort of showing signs that he was back there um, I suppose with the rest of the squad it is stronger than it than it has been it, it does I think he does still there's still that slight question mark about whether he gets a striker we, we know he likes Benzema but it doesn't sort of feel like that's very likely to happen so you'd think nothing else will, would happen but I think if it does it would be in striker and then possibly a midfielder, depending on sort of how he views views things in in the light of Jack's injury. Mm. I, I guess it's sort of out of out of his hands to a certain extent because um, if we look at someone like Benzema, then then maybe he's only available if Real Madrid do something or if he stirs up things at yeah. Real Madrid in order in order to come to Arsenal. So I mean, it, it's it seems if anything else is going to happen, it'll happen later in the window um, rather than imminently. Yeah, exactly. I think you're exactly right. I don't think it will, and I, and I, I my my sort of hunch would be that it's unlikely to happen. And and I think that you know, Sanchez, if if Welbeck comes back okay, and and Giroud, and obviously Theo can. There's sort of four people that can play, but if if that out and out striker is probably Giroud's the only the only one. Maybe Welbeck could 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 play there a bit. Mm. But as as you say, the the what the club. Sort of level that the club have reached. You're, you're talking about to make a difference. You're talking about someone of that forty odd million pound bracket, uh, someone who's better than a sort of Welbeck in that in that role. So you're talking, you know, there's not that many of them in Europe. There's probably only five or ten players, and, and, and most of them are all settled at a club. So it's quite hard to, as you say, it depends on it depends a lot on what happens at other clubs and what happens with other other people. Because there's no point in just buying. No, and someone like Lorente has been linked. Okay, he might you can never say never on who, who might come in and work, but you would think someone like that, you'd sort of look at it and think, well, what's the point, really? Yeah. Is that any different to Welbeck and Giroud, really? So, you'd, in order to do something, you're sort of looking at that next bracket, and um, there's not very many of them, and there's even less of them available. Very true. All right, we'll wait and see what happens, and uh, we keep an eye peeled on your uh, your stuff in the Telegraph for all the inside information. Jeremy, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. If you want to follow Jeremy on Twitter, you can do that at JWTelegraph, at JWTelegraph. Thank you very much indeed to him for his time. Now, before we get on to uh, the second part of the show and our second guest, just a couple of things to mention. Firstly, if you do like the show, and I assume you do because you're listening and still listening, if you were hate listening, uh, I reckon you'd have tapped out well before now. But look, if you are a fan uh, and you like what we do, please give us a rating or a review or indeed both on iTunes because uh, it helps the podcast. It pushes us up the charts and more people can find out about it uh, and everything else. So uh, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, And I did want to talk very briefly about uh, the plans to introduce a little bit more advertising to the podcast. Um, It's not going to be ridiculous. We're not going to stop every 10 minutes to have a break. There might be a little ad at the start and there might be an ad in the middle. I think that's the way it's going to work. I have to iron out all the details 
details as yet. Um, the only significant change, I'm not 100% sure on this, is uh, the SoundCloud thing might go a different way and we use a different player. But if you subscribe in iTunes, if you listen in Stitcher, if you want to download the MP3 directly, if you want to listen to it off the Ars Blog uh, webpage, you can do all that. Uh, any of your podcasting apps, nothing will change in terms of your subscriptions or, or how you can consume the podcast. It just might be a little out at the start and one in the middle and that's it. And that will help us. And, uh, you know, I hope you appreciate why we'll do this because this is a, a huge part of, of what I do. This website, it's uh, grown, uh, as many of you know, significantly over the years. Uh, it's become uh, bigger and larger. There's more to it. Uh, and when you create the monster, you have to you have to feed the monster, of course. And the monster, it's a great monster. I'm not saying that I've got anything against monsters. I don't. This is a fantastic monster. And I want to be able to do this uh, for a long time. And I want to be able to do it as well as I can possibly do it as professionally. And part of that is being able to, to earn some money from it because essentially what we're doing is we're creating something and we're giving it out and you know it's free uh, and I want it to remain free and it will always be free but uh, you know the the offset of that is us being able to uh, to try and uh, bring in a few quid from sponsorships so I hope people understand why we're going to do that it's not going to be a case that it'll be ads here there and everywhere but look you know I'll give you more details on that when I have them exactly but that's just it just sort of kite flying this whole idea here uh, that you know uh, 30 seconds of an ad at the start in return for half an hour 45 minutes i think it's all right isn't it i think so all right um okay well let's get on with the second part of the show and uh, my second guest is uh, one of the co-presenters of the second captain's podcast here in dublin we spoke during the week this was recorded before we knew the extent of Jack Wilshire's injury, so there is some mention of, of Jack in this particular conversation, but I just wanted to put it in the context of us not knowing that he was going to be out with the, uh, with the hairline fracture at that point. So this is, uh, this is the conversation that I had with Ken Early from Second Captains. All right, joining me now on the Arscast, I'm delighted to welcome from second captains, Ken Early. Hello. With a mouthful of coffee. <laughs> Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm well. We're going to talk uh, Premier League, generally speaking, not necessarily just Arsenal, but I want to go at it from the, the hyperbolic uh, claims that we get from the media, from Sky, from BT, about how the Premier League is the best league in the world. Mm. And last year it was kind of shit. Really, it was terrible. Yeah. Well, Thierry Henry has changed it to he. He now says in his ad, "Do I have to tell you this is the best league in the world?" Which <laughs> isn't quite saying that it is, you know. So he's just sort of suggesting that it might be. Right. Um. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, I, I'm hoping it's going to be better this time, but it was really, really terrible. And you know, the game on Sunday was terrible. And the only thing about it was these two older men being kind of rude to each other and that was actually the most interesting thing about the game and if that's what they're relying on to sort of sell billions of billions of mm. uh, pounds worth of television uh, contracts every year they're going to need a little bit more than that like yeah so. they did seem to be very focused on this non-event like it was essentially nothing happened but it's become a, a huge thing um, you know it wasn't that Wenger tripped up Mourinho or Mourinho sort of gave Wenger a slap they just didn't shake hands well twice yeah but you know what, that's okay though isn't it it's, I mean it should, it should be okay I mean it was it was an interesting thing to see because it was uh, it kind of was just Mourinho <clears throat> acting uh, crazy I mean the first handshake that, that didn't happen was just the usual one that, that never happens yeah then the second one was was uh, Mourinho 
doing this weird thing of, of uh, putting himself right there at the middle. I mean, he, he's finished now. His day is over. He's supposed to be, you know, back in the dressing room, whatever, talking to his team or talking to doing his press interviews. But there he is pumping the hand of every Arsenal player. I yeah. mean, what, what is going on here? You know, what if you're Arsenal you're coming down the line, you're seeing this happen. Josh Romini was there greeting every single one of your players, getting his paws on your players. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd be a little bit annoyed. Yeah, a, a, a touch of class from Mourinho, as they said on television. It had nothing to do with class whatsoever, didn't no, it? No, it was the exact opposite of class. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just, it was, I don't even know what it was. It was, it was kind of motiveless malice. Nothing good comes out of it, even from Mourinho's <laughs> point of view, apart from attention. Yeah. And maybe that's, ultimately, that's that's kind of what the, the inside everyone's been missing. I mean, Mourinho is an unbelievable figure in, in in Europe. I mean, think about him. Who else could do this? Literally nobody else in Europe could do this. To go around several of the major countries in Europe, getting paid 15 to 20 million, no matter what country he's in, uh, speaking to the country in their own language and becoming one of the most hated figures in that country's <laughs> national discourse. Literally, there isn't a single other person in Europe who would be able to do this. Yeah, It's phenomenal ability. He's a phenomenally talented man. But, I mean, what he's doing is just... It's, I, don't think, I don't know if he's using his powers always for good. No, I don't think, I don't think so. He's using them for himself anyway because we weren't talking after the, the game... Uh, as I is just he, mentioned, is he, is he happy though? Is he happy? He probably is. I don't, I don't think know. He is. It seem, he seems really angry. In fact, the the closer his life gets to what should be some kind of state of contentment or stability, the more he just wants to ruin it. I mean, he, it's like he wants to. He hates the whole idea of stability. Just something in him rebels against it, and he wants to tip tip over the table and just make a scene. You know? He was talking this week about how uh, the fights with Abramovich were were a thing of the past. <laughs> He's just reminding. Everyone of them. He's just reminding Abramovich. <laughs> Remember how it was last time? Why are we, you know, when are we going to sign someone to cover for Diego Costa? I know I've got Falcao and we have to do that for. It's great that we're giving Falcao another chance. Um, but, you know, they need, they, they need somebody else. I mean, at the moment, I look at the Chelsea team. The first team is good and the squad is not. Yeah. Diego Costa is injured. Fabregas gets injured. Matic gets injured. Who do they have? Mm. They didn't have anyone of that on that level. So, um, I mean, how do you see them in the context of the Premier League this season as title challengers? Clearly, as you say, the first 11 is very good, but can they, with their methods, keep everybody fit the way they did for most of last season? I mean, they, they somehow managed to do it, but it wasn't as though they, they got into the last phase of the season, uh, you know, fit as a fiddle. Mm. I mean, Emmanuel, uh, Matic looked like a, a mummy at the end of the season. He was he was kind of lurching around like his joints were all aching. You know, he couldn't really... He was getting subbed off in games, um, which he didn't think happened to him because he was just... He was wrecked. He played, you know, the whole season. Fabregas, mm. obviously, we all know what happened to him. I mean, maybe he's only got 35 games a season really in him at that at the level that, that Mourinho needs. Hazard is obviously brilliant. Um, but then, then Diego Costa. Diego Costa's great, but he, he always seems to have a problem with his hamstring. So uh, I wouldn't say that uh, it's not. It's, you can't bank on those players always being available. Yeah. Are you surprised they haven't spent more? I am. I, I can't. I don't understand what they're doing. And that, I think Mourinho keeps sort of hinting at it. I mean, they've still got time. They still obviously got like um, you know a few weeks. Um, but Mourinho keeps kind of saying. Um, Oh, you know, it's like this rubbish that he, that he says about how he he wants to be loyal to. He feels like he owes his players something, which he you knows is, is a complete lie. I mean, mm. he, you know, it's. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. <laughs> the exact opposite of what he believes, right? Yeah. And, he, and he's saying all this because, he, you know, he's just trying to remind people. I mean, he's, he, he, his main thing so far has been pointing out how much everyone else is spending. Yeah. You know, and everyone else is buying the league now. Oh, I remember you were all saying I was trying to buy the league. Well, actually, everyone else is trying to buy the league. And, you know, it's not even the title contenders, he says, you know, hinting at Liverpool, I suppose. You know, even they've spent like 70 million already. Yeah. And uh, and it's kind of like, although, they, you know, they did sell a, a big player as well. But it's like, um, I, I I think when Mourinho talks that way, continually, there's always a sort of a point to it. It's not just like, he well, did, yeah, how he, much he, money they've spent. Yeah, he very rarely says anything that isn't pointed or isn't trying to make uh, uh, somebody sit up and take notice of it, that there's there's always an angle with him. Mm. Um, Which is one of the tiresome things about listening to him speak, yeah. you know. And also the fact that m- m- when he says those things or when he says certain things, that he's not necessarily challenged by the by the press the way that he was in Spain it's, either. Well, no, that's true. But, like, I mean, it's it's a it's a strange one. I mean, I sometimes wonder what people expect to happen in these press conferences. I mean, the, the job of the journalist at the press conference isn't – it's not like a cross-examination, really. Sure, you know but, I mean? you know, when someone says something particularly outrageous, and I'm, I'm not thinking of any examples right here, but, mm. you know, there's always – you go, hang on a minute. Like when, Even that, like when say, you talk- say, say that Rafa's wife needs to get back in the kitchen and, and sort out his diet because he looks... Well, he, what, he way looks did you, what, way, what way did you perceive those comments? Was that like a misogynistic comment about Rafa's wife or just a comment about Rafa Benitez being too fat? Well, it was meant to be uh, just a, an insult. At, uh, I, I think what he was trying to do was just insult Benitez for being fat and maybe inadvertently also re- revealed his, uh, <laughs> his sexual misogynistic views. It was one of those, oh, no. Sometimes you just reveal something about yourself. Uh, you can't really help it. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, everything I say is controlled and so on. But sometimes you just blurt something out that reveals <laughs> kind of something about who you are. I mean, for instance, uh, last week, uh, there was, you know, the Hulk Hogan thing and all the Sure. Uh, there was like a lot of Arsenal players being tweeted at Hulk Hogan. For instance, you that know, was really weird. I thought it was, it was really strange. But one of the photos I remember was we were talking about this on podcast. One of the photos was uh, Rio Ferdinand. Rio Ferdinand's in the photo with someone, and I said, oh, you know, I was kind of good just going through name. I was like, oh, here's our shop, and here's Welbeck. You know, here's here's Rio Ferdinand with some guy. The some guy is Drake, right? <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, so I, I said that some guy. It's Drake. I didn't recognize Drake. Okay, so. You got me. I would. I wouldn't recognize Drake if he walked in this room right now. Yeah, I recognize him now. I have well, to say, yeah, you've learned I, I, your saw him, I saw him. I think I'd recognize him now, but it was like, okay, I, all right. I didn't recognize Drake. I mean, essentially, I'm one step removed from Hulk Hogan here. Right? He doesn't recognize <laughs> anyone in these photos. I'm just not recognizing half of the celebrities uh, that I see. But you know, I think Mourinho, uh, in meaning to just insult Rafa for being for being fat, also revealed himself to be something of a sexist. Which, you know, to be honest, is it, that, is it that big of a surprise? I don't know. All right. Well, look, let's move away from Mourinho, uh, as amusing as all this is, uh, and look at perhaps what the two Manchester clubs have done in terms of their spending. Um, Van Hal, 
he's he's interesting in the way that he's going about his business there. Purging that, Diego yeah. and Brian Percy. Yeah, and, yeah. And and Valdez, you know, if if you step <laughs> out of line in any small way, you're you're pretty much done with him. But what about the players that they brought in? Uh Schneiderlin, mm. Schweinsteiger, Depay. Well, they're kind of strong players. I mean, Schneiderlin's very strong. Um Schweinsteiger should be, although Guardiola I see is trying to um I thought it was amazing what Guardiola said about him actually. Mm. It was reminding me of what uh, of Trapattoni talking about Stephen Reid, you know. Oh, this guy, you know. I mean, we wait to sell. I mean, the fact is, you know, the last three years he hasn't been in shape. <laughs> what? That's unbelievable that you yeah. say that. Um, I mean, Schweinsteiger obviously reckons it's not really the case, and he has played a good few games, um, maybe through injury. Maybe that's some of the problem. I mean, I think Schweinsteiger is a really good player. Um, I suppose it's like Guardiola said: if he stays fit, he'd be very good. Yeah. Schneiderlin is good. Depay, pff, I don't know. I mean. I didn't, I mean, I, the only time I've really seen the pie was in the World Cup, and I didn't think he was, you know, he, he wouldn't have necessarily stood out to me as amazing, but everybody says this guy is brilliant. And, I mean, I've watched the same YouTube, the pie is everyone, and, yeah, he looks very good in his YouTube. There's a lot of players that look good on YouTube, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, he's, I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's very good. I mean, there's always, like, a, a good Dutch player, isn't there? I mean, there always is. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he's the current. I mean, it's been Ryan Robin for a long time, and yeah. Van Persie maybe uh, not so much Van Persie. I mean, it's interesting that Van Hal just getting rid of. I mean, Van Persie's gone, and it's without a whimper from anyone, no one cares about that. Yeah, um, it kind of showed how, how fast, how far he fell. Um, Di Maria just didn't seem to have worked out, and mm. again, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I think it's it's. It shows the desperation that Manchester United have for Louis van Gaal to succeed. That essentially there's no criticism of, and I get the impression if things were to sudden, if things were to go bad, if things were to, if he used to have, you know, to lose four games out of six or something, there could be an absolute explosion of of rage against. Him. I get the impression that everyone is sort of holding their tongue, waiting to see how it's going to yeah. turn out. But if if they do start to lose confidence. Um, that could happen very quickly. Yeah, uh, Manchester City have brought in Raheem Sterling, of course, forty-nine million pounds from Liverpool. Um, again, what did you make of that? What did you make of that move and how it came about? It was it was an inevitable inevitable move, mm. given the the way that things have broken down between him and Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, and you know Brendan Rodgers keeps losing his best players um, every year, and you know. Uh, to me, I, I find it amazing uh, when you've got a player like that. I mean, he's twenty years old that you can't, you know, at least command his the first few years of his career. I yeah, mean, the, you know, if it says a few different things. I mean, it says first of all that the management of that situation in Liverpool was very bad, uh, both by uh, Rogers with the player directly and by the club with the player and uh, his agent. Uh, they should have given him a contract before the World Cup. They never did. Mm. Um, and then, you know, he's, I mean, from his, the, his agent is obviously the one who gets all the criticism and the agent, the way that he, the way that he spoke, um, you know, publicly was, was stupid. I mean, it was crass. It was kind of, oh, Carragher's a knob. The club have been, you know, and no, he wouldn't sign for 900 grand. And you're thinking like, how much did he have to drink before he gave this? <laughs> you know, this is ridiculous. Like he sounds like an idiot who, who would, who would hear that and want to deal with a guy like this? Mm. You know what I mean? It's, it's a risk, you know, Man City. 
Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> ultimately, ultimately um, Man City prepared to sort of hold their nose and, and get the player. But, you know, I don't think he's doing himself, A.D. Ward doing himself any favours. On the other hand, look at the job that he's done for Sterling. He's got Sterling from a club that's uh, really had a terrible season, uh, not going to be in the Champions League, away from a manager he clearly doesn't get on with. Yeah, He's got him um, more money than he was being offered even at the maximum by Liverpool to join a team which has got more chance of actually winning something uh, than Liverpool do. So you kind of got to say that he's delivered for his player. Mm. You know, he's 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 maybe he hasn't done it in the smoothest and most diplomatic way, but he's got Sterling a pretty good deal. Now it's a question of whether Sterling is you know going to crumple under the weight of um, you know expectation and the price tag. And I think Sterling is a really good player. Mm. Um, Ridiculously good, actually. I don't know if he really got the credit, maybe that he that he should have got for not so much last season, the season before. He played brilliantly, and to play at that age, that you know, to that to play that well at that age is very promising. You know, if you can do that when you're eighteen or nineteen, if you if you keep improving, then by the time you're twenty four, you're going to be an absolutely amazing player. So the question is whether he's going to keep. Um, going. Do you think that was part of why he wanted to leave? That maybe he felt under Rodgers he couldn't keep improving. Well, I, th- I think that's the case. I mean, to me, at, when he when he had the brilliant season, um, there was a few players at the Villa who did, and the reason was that they had Suarez there and Gerrard as well had a very good season, um, but they had kind of really, uh, really top players to sort of look up to and everything. This is something that you hear at every single club where there's a player. You listen to the Manchester United, you know, sort of class of 92 guys obviously going on about Cantona. You know, they're always saying, oh, Cantona was amazing. You know, we just, mm. just watch him in training. But, you know, Van Persie says the same thing about training with Bergkamp at Arsenal. You know, just watch him in training and the kind of stuff, the, the his attitude just to that. Um, it changes, it, it lifts the standards of everyone. Suarez was clearly doing that at Liverpool. I mean, Brendan Rodgers was the one getting the credit and they got Rodgers on the long-term contract, but, you know, it was clearly, yeah. <laughs> it was not <laughs> Brendan Rodgers' doing, really. And I think I think Sterling, Coutinho, Henderson, all these guys um, really, you know, were, were kind of inspired by what Suarez was doing. I mean, it's not just the fact that when Sterling runs through the defence the ball magically materialises in front of him played there by Suarez that's part of it but it's it's more I think the attitude the kind of infectious sort of oh this is this is what it means to be a world class player it yeah. actually has an inspiring effect who's, who's there at Liverpool now he's actually supposed to be doing that now he's supposed to be the guy who does that for everyone else yeah. and he's too young for that yeah. he can't he can't do it so I think it's he he, he probably needed to be out of there right. it's, a ba- it's a badly managed situation by Liverpool sure um, alright then what, what about Arsenal uh, this season, there's a lot of talk about how they still need a striker. Uh, but in terms of the uh, the overall squad, how, how do you view the way Arsenal are set up for this season? I think Arsenal should win the league. I yeah? Mean, yeah, I think they should. And if they don't, then thing has got to go. No. <laughs> well, at some point, it's kind of like, well, when are you going to do it? Like, seriously, when are you going to do it? Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of impressed uh, that he's got back to this point. I didn't think that... I, I thought that he was kind of... I thought he was gone. I thought that this... The, I didn't think Arsenal under Arsene Wenger would ever actually get back to the situation they're in now, when where they actually look like one of the, in my opinion, at least the two the two teams most likely to win the league. I thought that he he had just lost too much confidence. I mean, I was at quite a few games at the Emirates, say twenty eleven, kind of twenty eleven, twenty twelve, and 
really some bad atmospheres at those games. Mm. Like just, I remember one game, the, the one against Man United, where they lost 2-1. Two, 2-1, two, one, yeah, one. yeah, yeah. The, the Oxlade chamberlain substitution. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. It was unbelievable. It's a, so you, when do you see a stadium against a manager like that? And then, you know, a couple of years later, the manager is, has, has managed to come back um, that, that late in his career as well. You know, that's so far into his Arsenal career. I thought it had kind of turned decisively against them. There was no return. And that was wrong. You know, he's managed to, he has managed to put together a team which I think has got, the reason I think they should win the league is because the other team, the other strong team in the league is Chelsea. And I just don't think Chelsea are going to score enough. I think Arsenal are going to score a lot more than Chelsea. And most of the games, the Premier League games, it's just about scoring two or three goals. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a simple league in that sense. You know? yeah. It's not like, a, it's just like, can you win? Can you beat enough of these teams? It doesn't even, people go on about the big games between the big teams and so on. But, you know, actually what really matters is, is winning, not drawing yeah. your games against... Uh, the rest. Yeah. yeah. Win those games, don't draw them. And the secret to winning them is scoring more. And honestly, I just look at Arsenal's team, they've got a lot more goals on the team than Chelsea. Like Chelsea have got... Costa, Hazard, who else scores in their team? Mm. Like, William barely shoots, never mind scores. <laughs> you know, they, they've got a few sort of players like that, you know, yeah. guys who, who aren't, who are never going to get a goal. Um, with Arsenal, I think almost everybody in the team is capable of scoring, and now they've got a goalkeeper who's unlikely to throw as many in as, as previous goalkeepers. I just think it's, it's all kind of set up. Uh-huh. And, you know, they, they also have... Um, I, th- I thought the same thing was happening. What, what I was talking about with Suarez, with uh, Alexis Sanchez uh, at Arsenal, where they've got a guy who's like um, just got a different sort of attitude from everyone else. Like it, it's kind of sh- he's showing them something a little bit different. I mean, Mesut Ozil does not have this thing that Alexis Sanchez has. No, he doesn't. No, I mean he's a good player, and you know he he knows how to pass the ball where he wants it to <clears throat> go. But he's not. You know, Sanchez is a kind of guy who you know. He's a real competitor, and you need you need a couple of guys. And if you have a guy like Sanchez, suddenly maybe Ozil kind of is feeling a bit better about himself. Mm. You know, I think um, I think he's a good he's a kind of a leader and an example uh, to the others. So, yeah, there aren't any excuses. Basically, if if they don't win it this year, it's time for Wenger to go. All right. Well, I mean, the balance is there anyway in terms of experience and quality. It's like the squad is better than it has been for a, for a very long time. Well, I mean, say for instance. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, uh, Jack Wilshire was kind of a big, um, uh, people were, if you're thinking, well, Arsenal have a good team, a lot of that would be based on, because Wilshire's going to come good. Yeah. Wilshire's, you know, got so much, he's got so much potential. He's got so much ability. Um, he, he is kind of injury prone, but hopefully this will be his year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas now, it's yeah. like Wilshire's just a squad, Wilshire's just a squad player now. Yeah. He's not, he don't, he doesn't need Wilshire to play. He doesn't need to kick a ball this season. They can get by without him. I mean, I, I don't even know if, if, if Wenger still is even really that. I, I mean, how many, times, how many times are you going to be caught smoking? You know, you're an idiot. I'm not suggesting being caught smoking or being caught smoking is, you know, a, is a capital offence for a football sure, player. Sure, sure, sure. But it just shows you what, what he must be like to deal with. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, it's just the tip of an iceberg. It's like, okay, well, I mean, he just repeatedly can't, he can't stop doing this one stupid thing. <laughs> is this the only stupid thing that he can't stop doing? I doubt it. Yeah. You know, uh, but 
okay, the fact is they they no longer are relying on him. If he has a good season, he might still have a good season. He might still be a big player for them. Mm. But they don't need him to be. They've got enough players there that it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I think, you know, when you look at the squad, there's a lot. I, I think, say with Chelsea, if key players are missing, they don't really have players of that level to come in. But with Arsenal, I think almost everyone apart from Sanchez, they have a guy who can who can do what that guy's doing yeah. so it's yeah, it's looking good uh, do you see any change in the in the top four mm. can anyone come into the top four well I, I mean because I mean can Liverpool do it with the, the players that they brought in well, they might but I mean who could have any confidence in Liverpool really I mean they, they just uh, I mean Rodgers is a I mean they've, they've got this this uh, difficult start as well so it's you mm. know they've got to play Man City Man United you know Bayern Munich like Arsenal Real Madrid 1959 <laughs> they have to play all these teams in the first seven games is all these so it's not uh, it's not going to be I mean, you could easily see, you could see Brendan Rodgers being sacked two months into the season you, that's, <laughs> that's something that could quite easily feasibly happen although if he gets through it in some kind of you know shape you know they, they don't lose all those games then maybe he's maybe he's kind of set up quite well for the for the rest of the year you know maybe the hardest bit is done yeah but i mean it's it's impossible because we know no one has really seen this team play yet yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. almost a completely new team so they've got some players who should be you know theoretically should be good um but no one knows yet if they're going to be able to to sort of pull it all together no and, and yeah. you'd have to you'd have to say probably not i mean so when, when was the last time that happened a sort of ragtag bunch of misfits came together one summer and you know won the Premier League title. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I can't think of too many times that happened. No, but, you know, getting into the top four. I mean, to get into the top four means finishing ahead of Man United, Man City. It's not as though Man United or Man City are, you know, it's not as though you're looking at these teams going, wow, you know, no one could ever finish ahead of those guys. Yeah, but you wouldn't back. You'd still have to back either of them to finish ahead of. Sure. Liverpool, I think. Sure. I mean, I think I think City maybe are, are looking a little bit weak. I mean, I think they're 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 treading water a bit. You know, are they just sort of biding their time for next year when when Pep Guardiola can come along it, it and take like on it. another really really difficult footballing challenge by going yeah. to a club with lots of money and well, it looks like it, doesn't it? But I mean, I mean, it's kind of I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like with, with Guardiola, like I remember when he joined Bayern, thinking, oh, this is like, come on, Pep, you know. This is hardly, uh, you know, like pretty much the point that you're making there. This is this is not a difficult challenge, but actually it was really difficult. <laughs> it was, I mean, he they had they had not won the treble, but when he he signed for them in the December or January that they, they went and won the treble, which was like mm. Christ Almighty. But it was a really difficult thing for him to do to come in there and to try and sort of sort of teach Granny how to suck eggs. Like that's not a that was. That was actually, in hindsight, a very difficult. Yeah, but from a domestic job. point of view, it's not a difficult league for them to win. No, it's not. But the domestic, nobody cares. Bayern Munich doesn't even care about that anymore. I mean, for, from the city one is completely different. I suppose city is more of a blank, a blank slate. Yeah. City is like I, I can come in and be the absolute. I can design this club from the ground up. We'll they'll just throw everything out. It won't be like Bayern where. Bayern like well you know we kind of we also know how to play football here at Bayern Munich mm. yes we had, we at FC Bayern Munich and we also know a thing or two about the about the game <laughs> Pep Guardiola so you know he I mean I think that's been obvious tension there I mean it's it's a weird one actually because with, with Guardiola there you get you get media coverage of Bayern half of it is like uh, 
you know, half the press are obviously Bayern supporters. Sure. Right? And they're like, oh, so half of them want to support Guardiola because he's like the Bayern manager. And so they always, and they always support him. And, but half of them then, if Bayern lose, it's like, oh, you know, if Bayern lose the semi final of the Champions League, it's like, what do you, you know, this isn't good enough. Yeah, we, yeah, we would have won with a German manager. But then there's a whole <laughs> section of the, there's a whole sort of liberal section of the press which, which um, doesn't want, uh, which gets really angry. Germans criticizing Guardiola because they see it as like insular. Oh, here we have you know some German little uh, Germaners, yeah, little <laughs> Germaners going. Oh, you know, if only we had a bit more of the German fighting spirit, and if we, you know, a German coach and Jupp Heynck is, you know, and and Guardiola doesn't understand tiki taka, and and this is, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, actually, all the players love Guardiola, and you know, so it's kind of it's not even about Guardiola. Yeah, it's about like um, kind of resisting this you know what they see is like oh these guys are against Guardiola because he's a foreigner you know sure, I mean? sure. so it's 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 a really interesting situation with him in England I think it will be um they're obviously more used to foreign managers they're more respectful anyway to begin with I mm. think um like look at you know m- m- most of these star coaches really get bowed down to I think and uh yeah I can see how it'd be a good job for him you know mm. I mean um Manchester City maybe Manchester United might be available I mean Manchester City just seems like a sort of a if you were well, they have the two Barcelona guys on the on the as the football the head of football development and all that kind of guy. Yeah, uh, um, Giovanni and Soriano, yeah, yeah. The former airline exactly. But we know we know how easily Barcelona people can fall out with each other as well. It's quite political uh, yeah. that club as well. So yeah, I, don't, I mean, yeah, he he always seems to get on with those mm. those guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, they, but but I mean, the, the point about cities, I do think that it's not. It's as though they've kind of said, okay, well, we think we might get him next year, and it's worth just yeah, it worth just stick him with Pellegrini just, for just have a holding pattern. Mm. So I don't think they're going to win the win the title or anything. Um, you know, maybe they right. will. It depends whether Aguero, how many injuries Aguero gets this season. Yeah. All right. So it's Arsenal for the league for you. I think Arsenal should win the league. I mean, Chelsea are obviously massive favourites to win the league, and the reason for that is. Everybody assumes that, um, you know, Mourinho will just find a way to win 29 games and, you know, Wenger will, uh, they'll they'll have the usual meltdown at some point. And, mm. But, I mean, how, you know, I don't, I just think Arsenal have more goals in the team. So I was probably thinking the same thing last year and it didn't happen. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. I mean, something about Mourinho at the moment doesn't really, something about that, team the way that it's set up the way that he's behaving doesn't really convince me he he doesn't last anywhere for i mean i know he's saying oh you know i want to i want to stay here i want to be here for you know till i'm 70 i want to coach till i'm 70 anyway and i want to be like you know ferguson he's nothing like he's but where, where like can that. he go again though that's the thing he's kind of running out of places where he can actually oh, go I don't think so. i think i think he's still got plenty of places who would take him you know man city say yeah. Say if Guardiola don't, if Guardiola's like, sorry, actually, I don't like you. Van Gaal has left Manchester United. I'm going to join them instead. Mm. You know, Man City would be like, okay, we'll we'll just go to the complete. But Chelsea, Chelsea is the club of his life. He couldn't he couldn't go to another English club. Yeah, he could. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, he he says he wants to stay for a long time, but he just can't. I don't. I just don't think he's psychologically able to do it. Mm. And maybe it's it's because of his oh. Um, you know, the conflict model or whatever it is he calls it. Basically, you go around just insulting everyone all the time <laughs> and, like, in the hope of provoking a reaction, you know? Well, you just do that enough time and you get you lose your job. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, look at him already last week before the before the games had started. Pellegr- Pellegrini, you know, he had to go Pellegrini. Obviously, Wenger was a loser, you know. Can't, you know, If that had been me, I would have tried to find a way. You know, why is it always going against my team, you know? Uh, Rafa's fat, his wife needs to get back in the kitchen. That's before anything has happened. <laughs> it's, it's insane. It's crazy. Like, Alex Ferguson never went on like that. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. It's just like, it's just... You, you've got a Mourinho has got a certain amount of the power and influence Ferguson used to have, but you can't just you have to conserve it in order to be able to use it. You can't just be willy nilly. <laughs> a blunderbuss. Just, you just can't do that. You know, eventually you just piss off a critical mass of people who are who are kind of like this guy's just, you know. Yeah. And I mean, if if it's ha- that's happening on the outside, you imagine what's happening on the inside as well. Sure. Oh, we've got to get rid of Juan Mata. Like why? We've got to get rid of Kevin De Bruyne. You know, he's a weakling. Oh, really? Is he? I mean, yeah. who do you have now? Willian. You're left with Willian. You keep buying, like they buy Salah. The Quadrado. They buy Quadrado and nothing happens. Yeah. So he's got this other problem, which is that it's not as though players are really performing brilliantly under him. Mm. Apart from Hazard, he's the only one. And John Terry. Yeah. John Terry with his whatever evil power keeps him <laughs> keeps him going. He's he's like in this state of grace now. John yeah. Terry. He's yeah, like yeah. last season, one of his best ever seasons. He's just like, as he gets more kind of old and, and like uh, sour looking, you know, he's like just getting better and better. Yeah, after every game, suckling from Mourinho well, to, just, to regain his uh, vitality. He's just, <laughs> I mean, remember him, uh, wasn't it at Arsenal last season, actually? There was a nil-nil at Arsenal. Did, was that with the, how they won the league? Was it, there was a big, was there a nil There was a, a yeah, yeah, there was a draw. Yeah, it was a nil-nil at Arsenal. The one where Oscar got. Yeah, 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 yeah. But was that the one where Terry was celebrating on the on the pitch? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it means a lot to him. You know, mm-hmm. that, that John Terry does have, uh, I know, especially in Ireland, you know, it's, no one has ever really had much time for John Terry. But I mean, you got to say, like, he's, he does have some, the guy, he's got something, you know. And Mourinho is able to, I mean, the way that Mourinho plays suits John Terry because he's always just standing on his own 18-yard line. You know, he doesn't ever, ever have to run. That thing that happened to him. The thing that Van Persie did to him in that 5-3 game is never, ever, ever going to happen to John Terry ever again. In his yeah. He will never be that far forward on the field um, with nobody with nobody behind him. It's just never going to happen. Oh. So, uh, I don't know. But, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not hugely... I, I, th- I think he's, if he's fighting with everyone outside already, I think he's a bit tense. I'd like to, I don't know what's going on inside the squad, but I can't imagine that... It's much better than than the outside situation. Oh. Well, we've come uh, we've come full circle on this one. Started with Mourinho, we're going to end with him. Ken Early, thank you very much. No, Adrian, thanks a million for having me. There you go. That was Ken Early. Thank you very much indeed to him. You can find him on Twitter at Ken Early's at Ken Early's or as part of the Second Captains podcast, which you can find on iTunes. Just search for Second Captains. They're on Twitter at Second Captains. They're also on the irishtimes.com, which is uh, where they live. But just search Second Captains. You can do it on iTunes. Subscribe. It is a truly great sports podcast. Uh, Right. So look, here we are. We've been going quite a while on this particular episode. We've got to look ahead to our first game of the season against West Ham. Injury news, team news, uh, Wilshire obviously out. Danny Welbeck, Thomas Rosicki, they're out. They're on their way back, though. They're on a progressive recovery, according to Arsene Wenger, whatever that might mean. And then, of course, Alexis was back this week. And I have to say, I have to say, I really really like this from Arsene Wenger today. Alexis, who's just come back from four weeks of holidays after going all the way in the Copa America with Chile. Uh, And he says, I don't think he will be involved on Sunday. It's a bit early 
Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Imagine even contemplating it. And it's probably all right because he's Alexis. He's just the, the super fit guy. I'd be surprised. I think it would be a bit of a risk, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but you just never know with Arsene Wenger or with Alexis. I mean, if he was asked, are you okay to play? He'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm absolutely fine. I'm not jet lag. Don't need any fitness stuff after my uh, after my break. No, been sort of running on the beach. Yeah, look at the videos I did on Instagram. Come on, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Let me play. Let me play. Go on. Go on. Go on. Let me play. So you don't want to ask Alexis that the manager might have to make a bit of an executive decision on that one. But West Ham at home on the opening day. Well, not the opening day of the season. The opening weekend of the season. It's Sunday, of course, a one thirty kickoff. I think that gives us a good chance to continue where we left off in preseason. And uh, you know, you can't read a huge amount into what you do in preseason. Other than you want to build some momentum, you want to get the fitness up, the sharpness up, and if you go in uh, with uh, with a series of good results under your belt, it, it helps your confidence. That's just the way it goes. There's a momentum to football, whether it's preseason or not, and we've come off the back of five wins, and I think it's three clean sheets in a row against Wolfsburg, against Leon, and of course against Chelsea who couldn't score against us last weekend. So we're in good shape, and the squad appears to be in good shape, and and everybody seems happy and and ready for the start of a new season, talking about title challenges. And look, we've got to make sure we get off to a better start than than this time last year. Hopefully hopefully that's exactly what we'll do. So look, um, we better leave it there for this particular Arscast. We'll be back next Friday with another regular Arscast. But James and I will be here on Monday at some point with the Arscast Extra. He, of course, is in Edinburgh. And uh, I, I believe they have they have internet there. Tom, I think, installed the internet in Edinburgh. So thanks to Tom. And uh, we'll be able to talk to James on Monday. Let's keep fingers crossed for Sunday. Uh, we can get our season off to a good start. Talk to you on the Arscast Extra on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. Cheers. Bye-bye. You stand in front of this court, accused of the most heinous of crimes. Even hundreds of years ago, when barbarians and philistines ruled this land, they deemed this behavior unacceptable. Every day I see all manner of reprobates and ruffians and people who should be sent far away on boats. But you, sir, what you did is inconscionable. Now, Mr. Wenger, how do you plead to the crime of not shaking hands with another man after a football match?
Look. Uh... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.